0: Hello, and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the imperceptible Matt. Hello there. So, um, we are discussing Listen this week. Yep. Interesting episode. I'm very excited to hear what thoughts you have on it. Um, But before we get there... um, how much preamble have we got this week? Should we can we, are we, have we got a full hours worth? <laughs>
1: um, I've I've got a little bit, but <laughs> none of it is that lengthy.
0: Ah, well, that's good. Um, I, I'll let I'll let you crack on then because I've got absolutely nothing. I still haven't gotten around to reading part two of uh, monstrous beauty in Doctor Who magazine. So, oh, so no um, time lord victorious. This no week. time lord victorious chat at all this week. Um, I so I shall Seed to you, and and, and uh, we'll see yeah. what what you've got. in Well, your
1: life. I think I speak for the listeners, David. When I say we're not mad, we're just disappointed.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, that's fair. That's fair.
1: Right. So, just <laughs> as a quick follow up from last week, yeah, uh, the BBC are yet to reply to my complaint about the cancellation of Made, Marion, and A Married Man. Mm. Um, I I did reach their complaints department again. Yeah, and they've acknowledged that I have made a complaint. Yeah. but they haven't dignified it with any real response. I wonder how many
0: nuisance emails y- you can send them before you end up on some kind of blacklist.
1: Well, I just assume they think I'm some sort of like <laughs> mentally devoid character. <laughs> you know, there's no malice. I just want to know why it's not an iPlayer. <laughs>
0: I think the answer is they can potentially get squeeze some pennies out of it. It's the, the same with most of their archive TV. I would, I would love it if all of the BBC's archives were just up available for free for everyone on iPlayer. I think that would be a great service. I understand why they don't do that. Um, well, but... what am
1: I paying my license fee for?
0: Mm. I mean, okay. Do I do I do I go on the rant? I, I think I'm doing it. I'm going on the rant. You saw I saw this an awful lot around the um, introduction of Brickbox in the UK. There was this really common refrain was, "Oh, I've already paid for these shows. I've paid for my license." Fee. It's like, "Okay, does the BBC like send you free DVDs?"
1: No, but they're sure. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but you know what? You know what I mean, though. It it, it really annoys me this idea that the license fee pays for. Programs to be made and broadcast a minimum of one time on a BBC TV channel. That is it. That's what your licence fee is paying for. What the BBC does with it afterwards is their call. It always has been and it always will be. And at the end of the day, um, packaging and selling TV shows that are popular enough that they can the BBC can actually make money off them uh, to either sell on DVD or... for as part of the package for streaming services whatever that's then another source of revenue that can be put back into making more tv shows um so i, I do get a bit frustrated with this this oh i've already paid for this they should i should have free access to it <laughs> it's like you know you, nobody was saying this in the age of the dvd it's only now that we've gone on to streaming that suddenly people seem to think that streaming doesn't cost money like it doesn't like, there, it doesn't take money to build a platform and maintain it and all the server costs and, you know, the, the subscription management and all the administrative stuff that's required to make those things actually run. Um, so... It does slightly wind me up a bit.
1: I just think I've paid enough money they should invite me to make a TV programme.
0: <laughs> I would love that. I wish, I wish that the, the UK had something akin to what uh, America has, which is public access TV. Yeah. You know, this idea that, that anyone can kind of get a free slot on some, some back-end channel. Well,
1: um, when, when I lived out in Australia, yeah. uh, they have public access radio. Oh, and, wow. And I, I implore you to watch this. It's one of the greatest YouTube videos available. Mm. Um, I forget the guy's name, but there was a radio presenter who did a quiz, a little bit like the Wheelie Big Quiz, uh-huh. and, and people would ring in to answer every week. Yeah, and just No matter the question, they would give the answer, India. <laughs> and it reached the point where he's just like going, okay, caller number 10. I think the question is like who won the gold medal in such and such Olympics? Uh-huh. And I go, Oh, I remember it. I watched it with my dad, one of my fondest childhood memories, and he'd be like, Oh, that's such a lovely story. And the answer and then they'd just go, India and hang up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's amazing. Uh,
1: I implore you to seek out the YouTube video. It's about um, ten minutes long. I'll, see if, can, I'll see if I can just uh, I'll see if I can
0: dig it up, I'll stick it I'll stick a link in the show notes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um But in a way I think podcasts are a little bit like public access radio, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. But it's a so nice it's... little segue, because I've listened to some Doctor Who podcasts this week. Have you? Well, no. Bit of Radio uh, Free Scarrow? I've, I've listened to some Doctor Who-related podcasts. Okay. So, this week, on the uh, David Tennant's podcast, he had Billy Piper as a guest.
0: Oh, yes, I saw that. I haven't I haven't checked it out yet. but uh, uh, it's,
1: it's worth a listen. Uh, yeah. They don't really discuss a great deal of Doctor Who. Yeah. Well, uh, at the end
0: of the day, it was it was a very small chapter in their lives. You, they only did the one series together, so uh, yeah. less than a year.
1: They they basically talk about how much they loved working together, but they don't go into any detail about the show.
0: Yeah. That's um, about the standard for for actors talking about <laughs> so, like if you don't have a good interviewer kind of prepared with the uh, with the detailed questions, they will just talk about how much they
1: love each other. Uh, but the second one I listened to, I don't know if you know, David, but this week yeah. it was Matt Smith's birthday. Uh,
0: oh, oh, happy birthday, Matt Smith. No, I, uh, I'm so I, I
1: listened I to his uh, Desert Island Discs episode. Uh, I
0: didn't know he'd done that. And basically, What's his I taste do- in music like? Quite uh, boring indie, I expect.
1: So there, there's a little bit of Oasis, a little uh-huh. bit of... I don't want to say Led Zeppelin. Who's the other one? Pink Floyd.
0: Pink Floyd, right. Yeah. Uh,
1: a bit of Arcade Fire. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: a bit of... I, I, I'm terrible. It's not Leonard Nimoy. Marvin Gaye. Somehow I got those two confused. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that is
0: quite... Uh, that, those are quite... Good. I'd love it if he'd picked uh, Bilbo Baggins by Leonard
1: Nimoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was just there like, uh, going, who sings Mercy Me? Is, <laughs> is it Leonard Nimoy? But No, Marvin Gaye. <laughs>
0: You do know that Leonard Kneeboy track, right? The yeah, um, yes. the Hobbit one. Yeah. yeah, What a joy that is.
1: Yeah, again, seek that out if you haven't already yeah. heard it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. And basically I've decided I just wish Matt Smith was my best friend. I, I'd forsake all my friends yeah. if I could just be friends with Matt Smith. He does he seem just, like a lovely bloke. Yeah, he just seems like a top guy. He's just yeah. out for having a good time. I, and but like quite private as well. Like I'm almost
0: I'm surprised in some ways that he even did Desert Island Discs. Mm. Um I might I'm quite interested to listen to that now. Um
1: uh, there's a lot of talk about how he trained to be a footballer but then yes. was injured and didn't make it and
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um but it's just it's interesting like compared to a lot of the other doctors um he's got a relatively lower profile. Like he doesn't tend to do you know, interviews for the sake of it and, and, mm. and uh, doesn't do as many panels and, and uh, conventions and things. So, um, yeah, um, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, uh, what else have I got on the docket? Uh, we owe everyone an apology because I forgot to ask what you had for dinner last week. Yeah, I can't remember at this point. You said salad. At the oh, time. that was it.
0: Yes, yeah, you, you mentioned it on Twitter. Yeah, salad. Uh, yeah. What have you had
1: for breakfast? What are you having for lunch today? Lunch, not a clue yet, because
0: that's hours away. Uh, I had pancakes for breakfast.
1: Oh, nice. Anything yeah. on them? No,
0: I just had them plain. Really? <laughs> yeah, no, I had um, I had a bit of
1: jam. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. And then the final thing I've got on my little docket. Yeah. Um, it, it's something that happened during the week, and I sort of need... You know how sometimes I can be quite naive and not necessarily understand things? Yes. Uh, So I I didn't want to raise this as a big issue without speaking to you first. Okay. Uh, And it involves our friends at the Married to Who podcast. Okay. So I, I quite often give their episodes a miss because they're quite far ahead of us. They are, yeah. Well, yeah. They're, sometimes they're deep I, into Capaldi I, at this point. So when I get a message saying their new episode's released, I sort of listen to their episode on the episode we're talking about. Right, So, yeah. for example, I listen to their listen episode. But mm. I, I I, thought, I, what I'll do is I'll just quickly fast-forward through their most current episode, Yeah. just because I'd sent them a few tweets, just wanted to gauge their response on a couple of things. And this week, they discuss the fact that they accept our call oh. to a secret Santa, a bit of gift-giving at Christmas. Um, I don't want to give the game away, but I've currently got a couple nice. of gifts lined up. But when, when they're discussing it on their pod, that they accept, you know, our gift-giving, uh, mm. one of their members in the background says, prepare to have your gift dick sucked. <laughs> so I, I was just, just wondering, David, does that mean something else in American... <laughs> Uh, is that lost in translation? Because that obviously yeah. in in English means to have your little mm-hmm. John Thomas in someone's I, mouth, and it's hard to you know think of a different interpretation of that. I guess
0: I guess he's speaking perhaps yeah. metaphorically.
1: Okay, but if if that's what they're offering, because <laughs> obviously I said I'd send them some <laughs> Doctor Who British stuff, and they could get us something nice, but. I think I think I think things are going too far too quickly.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, won't we?
1: Yeah.
0: Do you want to say hello to them?
1: Why do you do this to me, Matt? Because I, I want people to enjoy what a good friend you are. I get the best of you, and I want to share that with the world. But you only get, you only get that
0: because I've known you for years at this point. I it, it takes I am such a socially awkward person it takes me a very long time to get to the the, the point
1: of of uh,
0: c- camaraderie
1: that we should know when I listen to their episode this week, yeah they they openly say, "Oh, we really love David. we should have him on our show." That's very sweet of them. But then one of them points out that you're the one that likes Doctor Who and they all go, oh, no, 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 no. The other one then, Matt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that figures. Yeah, um, so say say hello. Hello.
1: <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Do you it's want to say it in a tone something. that doesn't make you sound like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? <laughs>
0: It's it's 20 past nine on a Sunday morning, Matt. What do you want from me?
1: Well, we should be in church, but we're not. So we'll <laughs> do this instead.
0: This is my church.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, back to the old bass for me, this, eh?
1: Yeah, this is the sin that I repent when I go to church. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so should we crack on with the quiz? Right. So, just a little update. Since last week... Um, um, I, I think it's fair to say that you've been struggling for form in the Wheelie Big Quiz. I've, I've
0: had a couple of very poor weeks.
1: Yeah, well, we, we ended last week's episode mm. on a total of £102. Mm. So we were close. We, were, we certainly were. Uh, so since then, uh, my friend and yours, Simon, has swooped in and donated uh-huh. the remaining £18. Goodness me. So we've, we've hit the total of £120. Amazing. So I've doubled our target now. We're aiming for £240. Oh, do you think we can manage it? When are we running this till? Till Christmas. Till Christmas, right. So, so we've got to pretty much got still. like two months near enough. Hmm. So obviously we've hit £120. That means that we have unlocked the goal where I will be releasing a formal statement of apology for any of my obtuse views regarding Doctor Who. Uh, We've had a couple of other donations since then. Yeah. So, obviously, I've mentioned Simon. He donated. Uh, We've had an anonymous one that says, consider this a bribe to give Listen a positive review.
0: (laughs) 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 We'll see if that works out.
1: Yeah, nobody tells us what to do, so that's money well spent. Uh, we've had, anu- there's a lot of anonymous donations this week. Yeah. Um, so the second one is a £5 donation, and they've, they've listed how they've allocated their donation. Mm-hmm. So there's £2.50 to hear David say something bad about Midnight. Oh, okay. I just need to do that now. Yes, please. Um, set design looks a bit cheap. Okay. <laughs> then there's £2.49 to hear me declare his love for Patrick Troughton. Okay. Uh, so I like Patrick Troughton's hair. It's as dark as the stain he's left on British television. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then there's a remaining one pence donation that's just gone towards, in in commas, inverted commas, the kiss. Oh. And then the final donation this week, yeah, just, just £2, anonymous again. It just says, talk about Robot Wars more. It's the only time your podcast has been good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're right, you're right. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I appreciate the donation, but feels a little bit uncalled for. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, they're not wrong, though. They're not wrong. No. So yeah. that leads us into... The Wheelie Big Quiz. It does. Okay. So every week we ask six questions Mm -hmm. taken from Doctor Who Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. Again, totally stole this idea from our friends at Married to Who. That you did. But after their comments this week, I feel less guilty about it. Mm -hmm. So six questions. Each question's worth one pound for a correct answer. If David scores six out of six... The total's increased to £10 for the week.
0: Okay, let's do this.
1: So, the last two weeks, David, you've only scored two. So, let's Just... aim for higher than that. Well, We'll see. I've been off my game, clearly. Okay. So, the first question comes from the topic Time Lords. Okay. And I'll give you a big hint. This has nothing to do with Time Lords.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who who chose these categories?
1: Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just be grateful there isn't a question this week like, what is Martha's uncle's son's <laughs> best friend called? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. thankful for small so, for Time Lords, the question yeah. is, what was the name of the ship carrying River Song that crashed on Alfava Metraxis mm. yeah. when the Weeping Angel in its vault caused a phase shift in the warp engines?
0: I could have in- been rude and interrupted after about three words in that question. Uh, it's the Byzantium.
1: Okay, correct. So, next one
0: mm-hmm.
1: from Companions. What does Turlo? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to interrupt after three words, so i just No, you. no, no, no. I'm
0: not saying I can do that on every question, <laughs> saying that, that uh, there was a lot of extraneous information on that first one. <laughs>
1: Okay, what does Turlo throw at the Black Guardian, destroying him in a blaze of flames? Uh, enlightenment. Like, it, it's
0: is is that what it was referred to? It's, it's the um, whatever the light is at the end of Enlightenment. I think it's just, it's meant to be Enlightenment itself, isn't it?
1: I'll give you that. It's the yeah. Enlightenment diamond. Yeah, okay. 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 Next one. This is from Episodes and Stories. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the house in which the Tenth Doctor meets Queen Victoria in Tooth and Claw? Torchwood. Correct.
0: So, three for
1: three so far. So, next one. This is Years and Dates.
0: Oh, this is not my strongest uh, category, but we'll give it a go.
1: So, what 1970 sitcom links the Unicorn and the Wasp with Paradise Towers. That would be The Good Life. It is. Richard Bryars and Felicity Kendall were mm-hmm. its main stars, and they made appearances in those Doctor Who episodes. I
0: did. They're, I um. I haven't seen Paradise <laughs> Towers, but I was aware that Richard Bryars was in it. So. Okay, so we're
1: on four out of four so far. We are,
0: you? yeah. This is, this is the best I've done so far. I think it is, uh, isn't it?
1: I think so. Yeah.
0: Next one. This is
1: from Monsters. Okay. How many people are trapped in the cloud belt above Sardic Town?
0: Oh, I don't know, because it's that's the ship that Amy and
1: Rory are on. Would Would you like a little clue? Yeah. All right. Okay. So the number is. X thousand. So if you tell me how many thousand. <sighs> okay.
0: I, th- I couldn't. I've only. Uh, uh, mm. I'm just going to have to guess this one. 20,000?
1: Uh, I mean, technically you're correct, but I'm not going to give you it. Oh, why? Because the answer is over 4,000. And 20,000 oh. is over 4,000, but, but, but I don't think a- that's no. correct.
0: No, that's. No. I don't deserve a point for that one. Uh, okay. okay, final so one. We've we've uh, we've 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 lost the 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 mega total there, but uh, yeah. four out of five. I'm happy with this so far.
1: Right. So, final question comes yeah. from cast, crew, and beyond. Yeah, and we know that ordinarily this comes from the beyond category. We do. What was the name of the Kent Airfield that Group Captain uh, Childers? dispatched a squadron of firefighters from in victory of the Daleks?
0: Oh, God. How obtuse is that question? Okay, read
1: it to me again. What was the name of the Kent Airfield that, Airfield. that Group Captain Childers dispatched a squadron of fighters from in victory of the Daleks? I couldn't
0: even name a town in Kent. It's not a part of the country I'm familiar with.
1: Um, uh, Whitstable is a town in Kent. I have a friend it? from university lives in Whitstable. Lovely mm. part of the world. Yeah. Good oysters. Whitstable.
0: Right. But I can't just say Whitstable, can I? I'll
1: give you a clue. The answer isn't Whitstable, nor <laughs> okay. is it Ca- nor is it Canterbury. Uh,
0: Canterbury's in Kent, is it? Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think so. It's certainly close to Whitstable. Yeah. Whitstable's just a fun word to say.
0: Cheers. Uh I'm trying to think. Oh, okay, I know this isn't even in Kent, but because I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just a suburb of London. But I'm going to say Dagenham. No, Dagenham's in the Midlands, isn't it? Isn't
1: it?
0: Ah, oh, where's Dagenham? Um... I just feel like in my, in, I've got this sort of vague feeling in the back of my head that Dagenham has an airfield, but I could be making that up entirely.
1: Well, the answer's big in hill. Big so, in
0: hill. So what's that, £4 for the week? Four out of six. I'll take it. Uh, Dagenham is a district and suburban town in East London. All oh, right. So there you go. What is? Uh, people also ask, what is Dagenham famous for? Let's find out, shall we? <laughs> the neighbourhood's rich industrial past was at the centre of the made-in-Dagenham film, which dramatised the female Ford factory workers' battle for equal pay in 1968. But nowadays, Dagenham is perhaps better known as being the centre of a heated geographical debate, whether it is in Essex or London.
1: Oh, wow. Stay tuned for more Dagenham (laughs) updates as we go. (laughs) You know, last week the episode was so boring, I talked about Coldplay. This week we might discuss Dagenham instead.
0: (laughs) And what is and isn't in Kent?
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's a lovely lovely restaurant called the Whitstable Barn. I'd recommend that if you're around that part of the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be careful what I said because I visited a female friend from uni that lived there, and I'm of course married now, and I don't want my wife to like punch me if she <laughs> listens to this. She doesn't listen to this. No. We've established that. No. Um, so one thing I did this week, David, yes, I thought I thought you could volunteer your opinion on this. Yep. Was on on a Friday. I like to put a little message out saying, you know, we're recording for Listen. This weekend, if you've got any questions, any queries, Mm -hmm. get them to us. Um, But this week, whilst I did that, um, I was putting together a wardrobe. Yes. uh, Some flat pack furniture. Mm -hmm. So I just said, is anyone having a more boring time than me? Yeah. So I'm going to give you three scenarios and you can pick which is the most boring. Okay. So option A (laughs) is obviously putting together flat pack furniture. Yeah. From Argos. Little bedside cabinet. Mm. My, my general ex-
0: my general experience with flat pack furniture is more one of aggravation than boredom. Um, I'll, I'll I'll be totally honest. Yeah. I'm
1: pretty certain my back is forever ruined. Yeah, <laughs> I like tr- bent over to put that together.
0: I don't know whether how clearly it comes across on the podcast, but uh, I mean, you know,
1: Matt. I'm I'm not a I'm not a practical man, um, no. and I I. I, I I I would liken your skills too. You know the episode of The Simpsons where Homer looks at the picture of the barbecue on his box, mm. and then he moves the box out the way, and he's just got a pile of pipes and <laughs> cement. And... Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: um, yeah. It's 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 in on that sort of level. Uh, most of the DIY in, in our household is done by my partner, who who is much more capable than me.
1: Um, so yeah, what are the other options? Uh, The other is waiting for an Amazon delivery, only to find out you've got the day wrong and you've been staring at the door needlessly. Oh. again, That's from our listener, Kimberly.
0: That's certainly, that's very boring. But then it has that kind of, like, final victory lap of annoyance, which kind of, I feel, doesn't offset the boredom, but it it gives the, the overall day a slightly different character, if you like.
1: And then... The final one comes from our friend yeah. Jake, uh, married yeah. to Who, who spent the day watching 1980s Doctor Who. Or does so, he say which story? Uh, he's currently watching Trial of a Time Lord. I quite like Trial of a Time Lord, so um,
0: it's it's waiting for the Amazon package.
1: Oh, wow. Well yeah. done. So, Kimberly, you are officially our most boring listener. Well done. <laughs> Imagine um, that. Imagine being the most boring person that listens to a Doctor Who podcast.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's probably stiff competition, must yeah. be said. Yeah. Um all righty then. Uh is it time to talk about listen?
1: It is. I I'm, so, I'm, I'm hoping we'll have plenty to talk about. We'll
0: see. Yeah.
1: This is episode 4 of season 8. It is indeed. From the 13th of September, 2014. Yeah. Written by the Moth himself. Yeah, and directed by Douglas McKinnon. Mm. Who I,
0: Regardless of how you feel about the story, bang up job on the direction, right?
1: I would agree so, yeah. I would yeah. say so. Yeah. So, David. Yeah. Is this a good episode, a bad episode, a good episode with bad bits, or a bad episode with good bits?
0: If you'd asked me that, after the first time I watched this episode, I would have given you a shrug, possibly with a little bit of a flail thrown in. I had no idea how to feel about this episode after I first watched it.
1: Ah, you've um, gone for secret option number five. No emotional attachment. It's a long it time even... since we've had one of those. Well, it
0: wasn't even that. It was basically the last, the last sort of five minutes of it... I found incredibly powerful, but everything to get there, I thought, was a bit of a a strange, weird, twisty journey that I wasn't really prepared for. Because mm-hmm. this episode breaks a lot of Doctor Who conventions, uh, chiefly, like you know, Doctor Who is at, at at its heart, it's an adventure show. Hence, hence the running about, hence the monsters, and we get no running about, and and arguably no monster in this story. Mm. Um, So it it really wrong-footed me, and I had a hard time getting into it. And then, you know, I I checked to see in what other people were feeling about it on podcasts and forums and things like that. And generally speaking, people were really praising it. And I was like, what have I missed here? I feel like I've missed something. Um, Every time I've watched it subsequently, I have been more... Uh, slowly more and more convinced that it is indeed a work of genius. Um, I think it's probably one of Moffat's best. But it it didn't hit me that way on first viewing. Um, how about you? How did you uh, find
1: Listen? Um, I think this is the best episode we've seen for a while. I did really yeah. enjoy it. But it's very much up its own arse, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. This is
0: this is Doctor Who almost verging into art house territory.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking. We got a, a tweet that summed it up really well. I'm just digging through that. Uh, I forgot to mention earlier as well. We're now yeah. followed by the official K9 Twitter account. That's very exciting. It, it's two people that write the K9 books, I think based off the other K9 TV series that we haven't seen yet.
0: Oh, the animated uh, one? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Big Finish have announced they're doing a second season of Lady Christina Adventures.
0: It astonishes me that the first set sold well <laughs> enough that that is a sound financial decision on their part. But uh...
1: yeah, so a couple of listener tweets yeah. about Listen. So Chris says, "I remember not liking it." Uh, sorry, I remember not liking Listen the first time, but I've liked it more and more on it on re Right, so very similar experience to me then. Yeah. And then Frank says a bit full of itself but I really like it. So Yeah. I think yeah. that sort of sums up my feelings too. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's um it's a it's a fascinating it's it's a real it's a real curio. And it's all the more interesting that it comes so early in Capaldi's run. Um because we we've barely had a chance to get used to this doctor and They're throwing in, uh, you know, something really experimental at us. Mm. Um, But also, I would say this is probably the first... This is me speaking with the benefit of hindsight now. Um, This, to me, I think is one of the first episodes where we really get a proper taste of who the 12th Doctor really is. Mm. That sort of... Yeah, that sort of professorial vibe that he has... With his with his blackboard and his questions, mm. um, yeah, that sort of yeah, he just has this kind of academic quality to him, and uh, you also, I think, see a little more of the warmth and the humor mm-hmm. is you know, kind of under all that icy exterior, um, which is which is which is quite nice because I think the first the first 3 episodes of his his series are really going out of their way to establish him as almost almost the nasty doctor yeah Do you know what i mean and this time around he's not malicious he's he's more just kind of blinded by curiosity It was essentially putting people in danger
1: as a result of that. One of the notes I've made is... Because when we reached the end of Matt Smith's run... Yeah. I, I said one thing I liked about his incarnation of the Doctor... Was his interaction and relationship with children. Yes. And we see quite clearly here that Capaldi is... The polar opposite of that.
0: <laughs> yes, there's. Yeah, there's it, we'll a more he's, about that in depth.
1: It's not that he's overtly cruel; he just has no time for their silliness. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, contrast, isn't it? Mm. Um, so I think that's probably enough. Kind of uh, sort of overall chat. Shall we uh, go, go through it in uh,
1: a little more forensic detail? Okay, so we open with the Doctor sat on the TARDIS above Earth. Yes. Good
0: opening shot, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, it's something that immediately gets your attention. If it was just him and Clara in the TARDIS, like, where are we going this week?
0: (laughs) Yeah, business as usual.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so something a bit different. Yeah. And he asked the question, why do we talk to ourselves when we're alone? Yeah. I mean, I don't, so... Never. I mean, occasionally, but I don't know. I I tend to sing more than talk to myself. (laughs) Oh, I talk to myself all the time. I mean, usually if I talk to myself, I'm like muttering under my breath, like, oh, fucking hell, or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. So he says the reason we do that is because we know we're not alone. And he says, if there's such a thing as perfect hiding, how would you know? He says that there's perfect predators, perfect prey, but there's no such thing as perfect hiding, except there yeah. could be, but we would never know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's logically sound.
1: And he says, what would we do if such a creature exists? What would yeah. that creature want from us? Yeah. And as he says that, a piece of chalk rolls across the floor to him, mm-hmm. and on the whiteboard, not the whiteboard, the blackboard, sorry, is yep. the word listen. Yeah. Now, I'm just going to put a little asterisk next to that in my notes, because I want to talk about that later. Okay. So, we get the titles. Yes. And I still don't know if I'm on board with the new theme song.
0: Um, Specifically the music or the title sequence as well. Oh,
1: no, I don't mind the title sequence. Yeah,
0: I, I love the, the, the whole clock face conceit of it. Mm. Um, because... The, the whole thinking behind it was that the, the guy who did the original fan was like you know at the end of the day it's about a guy who travels through time why or uh, uh, well, time and space the, the title sequence always, always conveyed the spacey aspect but he kind of wanted to do something that emphasized time as well as space mm-hmm. um so i think it's quite effective and uh, the little cogs and stuff as well it's a good title sequence i do really like this version of the theme. I think it's probably my favourite of the Murray Gold versions, just because it is very shrill, no doubt. It's it's a screechy sort of synth quality he's got, but I like that it's moving, it brings in more of an electronic flavour. His stuff tends to be just very orchestral and bombastic, and I, I like that it's, it's moving back towards a slightly more
1: um, electronic style okay so after the credits Clara is meeting Danny for a drink yeah and uh, I've just made a little note here because it doesn't go well no so no, it does not David what's the worst date you've ever been on
0: um this is I I, I can't really answer that question to be honest because um I'm quite unusual in that I met my partner when we were quite young and we met online, so we never really... I never really did dating in the conventional sense. Um, Have you never been out and just had a bit of a stinker? We've... we've, Not not really. I'm trying to think. Generally, we... when we do when we do go out, we usually it's quite low key and we do stuff that we like. So it's not the, we don't like we don't like eat out in fancy restaurants or
1: or. The, the second like time that. I ever went out with my wife, um, yeah, uh, we'd arranged to meet for a drink after work, and I would just had a stinker of a day, like oh, to the point yeah. where I was like really upset, tired, stressed, yeah. nearly to crying, and it reached a point where she actually. Uh, didn't want to see me again. (laughs) Um, So like when I asked if she wanted to meet up again, she was like, oh, I thought you didn't like me. And I was just like, no, I was just having a bad day. (laughs) But I I once went out on a date with a girl in York who she was a manager at Next, the department store. Right. And the reason I know that is because that's all she fucking talked about. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow so it it's one of the few times I've had to like make an excuse to leave early. I said, "Oh, my trains, yeah, here. yeah. I need to go, I mean despite the fact my car was parked outside <laughs> but yeah, Clara and danny they they begin having fun until Clara makes a really callous joke about murder,
0: yes, yeah, um, I think it's- yeah, it's really interesting with the glimpses you get of the of the date because it's like you can see there is something there between them there are moments where they do click and like you know they're having they have it starts out really awkward then and, and then they say oh we probably shouldn't talk about work but then immediately start talking about the work and that's actually the point where because obviously they work in the same school and uh and and that's <laughs> when they start actually having a laugh and opening up uh, uh, yes, and then it all comes crashing down, uh, because Clara just has one of those brains where if she, if she thinks of something, I guess, witty to say, it's just coming out regardless of mm. who's, uh, who's on the receiving end. Um,
1: so, yeah. But at the same time, I've made a note that says Danny's just really touchy about things, isn't he? You know, he said he says people yeah. like you make assumptions, but then Clara gets yeah. really touchy. Like, yes. Why yeah. can't they all just chill out a bit?
0: I think the thing is tensions are already running high there. Um, I think with Danny, this is a really... I think this is a really important episode for Danny. Um, you know, we get so much more context for who he is, why he may have made the choices he's made in life. And, uh and so on so um yeah at this point we don't really know why he's being quite so touchy as he is but uh yeah yeah it's it's certainly it it it, it doesn't go well and I, again i i really one of the things that i really like about you know same as with um into the Dalek which introduces danny um i'm, I'm quite enjoying just kind of the the com element this kind of mm. unceremoniously plonked into bits of doctor who stories it's a really interesting contrast i think
1: so in the end clara leaves in a fit of rage mm-hmm. and returns home to find the doctor in her room yes <laughs> like the
0: tARDIS parked awkwardly and so she can't even open the door properly <laughs>
1: and she she's not well, understandably, she's not keen on going on a little adventure. She just wants to stay home and mope for a bit. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I love how oblivious the Doctor is, as well. You know, when sort of things stuff like, you know, why do you need three mirrors? Can't you just? Take
1: your head? Yeah. Doesn't and, he keep uh... saying that she's her head is so big? Well, or her um... face is so big.
0: Uh, I think it was it, that was earlier. It was this. It was um, uh, Clara was saying it was an excuse she got for not getting some homework from a child. She said she couldn't concentrate because her face was too wide. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, but but later in the, in this scene, the the doctor says, uh, "Well, don't well don't worry. Come along. You've already taken your makeup off." <laughs> and she's like, "No, I haven't." Yeah. But yeah, he he's almost just like face blind.
1: So. I've just put in my notes. Why is the Doctor so keen to solve talking to himself all of a sudden? Just know? boredom. Yeah, but like, the thing. if he's that bored, fucking Gallifrey's out there somewhere. Go
0: find that instead. He's probably working on that as well. Yeah. You know, this is the same Doctor that... The Doctor has done a lot of things
1: out of boredom. Yeah, he oh. needs to prioritise. Yeah. So, he talks to Clara about a, a common nightmare that people have, of things yeah. hiding in the dark. Yes. And what he wants to do is travel back to where Clara has had this experience, this nightmare. Yes, yeah, so, this
0: nightmare of, of, of getting out of the bed and, and an arm coming out and grabbing your ankle. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I have had. you ever had that nightmare? I, well, it's funny, because I was just about to say, I haven't had... I don't know if I've ever had that nightmare, but I had a like almost a nightmare last night. Did you? Yeah, I had, a, I had a dream that there was just like a massive snake in my house.
0: Ooh! How uh, big are we talking?
1: Like big enough to consume me, like mm. eighteen foot.
0: Right. Okay. So not so not fantastical. In size, no, no, no. Like, like equivalent of a of a
1: python or something like that. Yeah. So I. I remember going to Melbourne Zoo, and they had a boa constrictor that was, like, you know, as long as my room. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, I hate the animals so much. Mm. Like, it was just horrible. Um, So, yeah, I had, like, a dream about that. And it had come out of the toilet, and that's how it had got in my house. So, ultimately, I'd, like, called some people to take it away. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which they did, but all they did was throw it over the fence.
0: <laughs> that's, that's shoddy, isn't uh, it? And
1: when I say throw it over the fence, I mean yeah. like a leg and a wing. They just started swinging it and then launched <laughs> it over the fence. Like, And it was one of those dreams where I wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't a nightmare. I didn't wake up scared, but I was like, oh, yeah. that was unpleasant. Yeah. I guess that's what you what you get for
0: paying for the uh, for the cheaper dream snake removal service. Yeah, exactly. You want to get you want to go for the premium option. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll put it in a van. Yeah. Um.
1: But yeah, that it was strange. <laughs> that's
0: fascinating. Yeah, dr- dreams are weird. Dreams yeah. are weird. I can't say I can ever consciously remember having had this exact dream. I don't know if this is something Moffat's concocted for the sake of convenience for the story he wants to tell or whether it genuinely is a common dream that, that a lot of people do experience.
1: I, I can't remember if I've ever talked about this on pod, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it ever counts as, like, a dream, but one of my, like, most vivid dreamlike experiences is yeah. um, a few years ago I did one of those sensory deprivation tanks. Ooh, what was that like? Uh, absolutely mental. Um, <laughs> so it reached a point where I hallucinated... I assume it was a hallucination. Yeah. But I was talking to, like, my five- or six-year-old self. Whoa. And, like, having, like, the most in-depth conversation I've ever had. So, like, going, you know, don't worry, you know, thing- things might seem hard at times, but we get through it, you know. We've got a lot to be grateful for. And yep. just basically, in the end, when it opened, I was just crying my eyes out. Wow. Like, I had like a full-blown, out-of-body experience where I was really talking to my younger self. It oh. was crazy. Because it's weird, because it was so real, and then all of a sudden the light comes on and you're just like, oh, right, Not, yeah. none of that actually happened.
0: Yeah. A human brain, it's a fascinating thing.
1: Yeah. I still
0: don't understand an awful lot of it.
1: No. No. So... From there, because he's tracking when Clara had this nightmare. Yeah. He places her hands into, like, some jelly on the TARDIS. And I thought, doesn't the TARDIS hate Clara? Or have they resolved that now? Are they friends
0: That's fine. That was because of the whole Impossible Girl arc. That whole, you know, because she was kind of anomalous.
1: Ah, right. Yeah. But they're okay now.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to check... When is the earliest um, that the telepathic circuits have been used for navigation? Um, Whether this is the first one or whether there's any classic.
1: I don't think I've ever seen it.
0: Yeah, I'm looking here. Okay. Uh, No, it has. Yes, it's used in the name of the Doctor. Oh, so it? it's not. So it's. I, I. can't find anything any earlier than that. Other than like extended universe stuff, like audio stuff that's probably come after this. Um, but the eleventh Doctor, and Clara Oswald, to the circuitry in order to retrieve from her mind the visual con- coordinates of Trenzador in the name of the Doctor.
1: Oh.
0: But then you know that that episode is is just a whole bunch of who the fuck knows what's happening. So sure. But anyway, yeah, this is the first I think really major use that where they like, you know, they show, show it up close, and uh, it's a, it's an interesting concept. Um,
1: so, they they travel back to Clara's childhood. Yes, and it turns out Clara was in a children's home as a child, oh. except well. she wasn't. Yes, because at the time of launch. She was distracted. She was focused on her flawed date with Danny.
0: Yeah, because her phone starts ringing.
1: That's it. it. So
0: it derails her her mind, and she's assuming that it's Danny ringing. uh,
1: So so we know they're in the wrong place. Clara meets a young boy called Rupert Pink. Yes. And I'll be honest, I thought that was going to be, like, who they adventure with, and at the end it was going to reveal he's got a younger brother called Danny. But it right. turns out Rupert Pink is Danny. Mm-hmm. Just for the sake of clarity moving forward. Yeah. Uh, the Doctor begins scanning for nightmares and he meets Reg. Mm. Who he questions about unusual events. And yeah. I like this bit because he says things like, have you ever noticed you'll make yourself a cup of coffee and when you turn around, it's just not there. Yeah. And when Reg goes to look at his coffee, it's not there. It's, uh... And when he turns back, the Doctor's not there. But the next scene is just the doctor drinking his coffee, walking down the corridor.
0: Yeah, it's really everything the performances, the editing. That's a perfect little moment. Um, and again, it's one of those early glimpses, I think, of you're seeing a bit more of the 12th Doctor there. Like, yeah. there's, a, there's a, you know, for all of his coldness, there's actually kind of almost a cheekiness to him at times. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like that whole scene. I, uh, because it's, again, well, it's, this is very, it's very house. It's very actorly, it's very spacious,
1: but yeah, like. But it ramps up the tension to yeah, 11 and then yeah. immediately breaks it in good humour.
0: Yeah. It's, it, it reminds, it's almost like sort of Harold Pinter or something in that, like, they're saying quite mundane things but with an enormous amount of subtext to them. Like, you know, it mm. says, you know, the, the TV goes off and, and the Doctor says, who turned your telly off? And the way the guy just says, it just does that sometimes. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, th- there is so much, there is so much depth. There's so much going on under the surface of just those rather mundane words um so yeah really really well written and well performed scene i think
1: so clara has also sort of broken into the home and begins speaking with rupert who is scared of something under his bed yeah so she has a quick look to see that there's nothing there and again it sort of ramps the tension up because you think oh there could be something under there yeah. and Eventually, to prove there's nothing under there, she climbs under, and so does Rupert. Yeah. But whilst they're under there, chatting about how there's nothing to be scared of, the bed moves. Something has sat on the bed. Yeah,
0: proper creepy.
1: Yeah, so Clara sees something. So it's underneath the blanket, isn't it? You can just sort of see the shape. It looks humanoid. Yeah. Under the blanket.
0: Yes, it could conceivably be a child sat under that blanket.
1: Yeah. So the doctor then breaks the tension for looking for where's Wally in a where's w- in a book that isn't where's Wally. Yep. And he's just like, I have wasted so much time.
0: Yeah. And again, great, great as a, as a just a standalone gag, but also, it's totally in keeping with the theme of this story. You know, looking for something that might not even be there. Yeah. You know, it's 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 clever writing. But you've got you've got to hand it to Moffat. I think you know when when he pulls
1: tricks like that. So it's at this point where the Doctor says, "Whatever's in the bed, could be a child, could be a friend playing a yeah. pr- prank, or it could be something far more sinister." So he yeah. implores everyone to turn their back. And yeah. he simply says, just leave, just go.
0: Is this but I think what happens before just before this moment is probably one of the key scenes where he's giving the speech to, to um, Rupert. To, about to Rupert. How... Fear is a superpower. Yeah. Which of course comes back up later in the episode. Uh and and again, another I think important moment for the twelfth Doctor in that as as you say like he's not he's not good with kids in the traditional sense, like we see Clara she's in this scene she is very good at putting putting this this frightened child at ease, being like like a friendly big sister kind of vibe, whereas the doctor is this like very wise but rather scary uncle, <laughs> you know,
1: yeah. Well, I I I only found this out when I listened to the Married to Who review of this episode. Yes. Did you know that recently, during first lockdown... Yeah. We haven't mentioned we've got second lockdown on the horizon.
0: Yes, um, yeah, Got that, that
1: to look forward to. That when people were doing a watch-along yes. of this episode, Stephen Moffat has revealed what was underneath the blanket. Oh, has he? Yeah. Do you want to take a guess? What you mean?
0: What was actually used for filming?
1: No, or like in canon, what he th- in plot, what is underneath the blanket?
0: Uh, I don't because I think the whole point of this episode is ambiguity, and I can't imagine he if he did suggest there was something specific that he was doing so with a straight face.
1: Uh, well, he he revealed that it was just another child, just a friend <laughs> messing about. Yeah. Which,
0: i mean well there's no reason it couldn't be that's the whole no, point you know
1: but like you say i think the i think the genius with this episode is in not knowing
0: yes absolutely that's the entire crux of it which is why as i say i feel like moffat's got his tongue in cheek there so you know?
1: from there like i say the doctor tells it to leave yeah and it does So, in order to keep Rupert safe, Clara begins putting toy soldiers under the bed. Yeah. And the boss of the soldier, the one without a gun, Mm -hmm. is called Dan the Soldier Man. Yeah. Can you get the subtext there? Yeah, if only there was Mm -hmm. a character called Dan the Soldier Man.
0: Well, no, not even that, but like the whole idea of uh, the bravest, the, the leader, the bravest one of all, so brave that he doesn't need a gun. Who yeah. <laughs> oh, does that make you think of? Where have so? we seen that before? Yeah.
1: Oh, um, it's is now a good time to mention as well, just in case yeah. you didn't know, David. In yeah. many ways, the doctor's a bit like Robin Hood. Oh, you know what? I hadn't really considered If that. you hadn't picked up on yeah. that last week. No, um, now you mention it. Just yeah. with a rewatch, I thought I'd point yeah. that out.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll keep that in mind next time I watch it. Yeah.
1: This episode is so much better than last week's.
0: <laughs> They're different beasts. It is yeah, fair to say a
1: different beast in that, like, this is a noble dragon, mm. and last week's was like. I'm trying to think, what's like the worst D and D monster? Not even. It's not even an owl bear. <laughs> what you got not... against owl bears? Um. No, I quite like how old bears. I was just trying to think of something crap. Uh, this m- might just be, oh no, just an orc, but like the worst type. I don't even know what the lowest. Ch- I'm not going to get into D and D. Let's it's, move on.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah.
1: once, once Rupert is settled, uh, I like that the doctor just. Taps him on the head, puts him to sleep and says, Oh, dad skills.
0: Yeah Yeah, because the, the he's like, Oh, can you read me a story or help me get to sleep? And he's <laughs> and he goes, once upon a time, to pops his fingers on his forehead, at the end, and Bob out cold. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the doctor then asks Clara if she has any connection to Rupert. Yeah. Just how how did they end up here? Yeah. Basically. Um, And it's important to note that the Doctor gave Rupert, when he put him to sleep, a dream of being Dan the Soldier Man.
0: Yeah. So I wonder how
1: that ends up.
0: Whoa, indeed. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting and worth noting that Clara is really evasive throughout this story. Mm. She does not answer straight questions whenever the Doctor asks, you know, She never gives him an answer as to why they've ended up there. Later on, she never gives him uh, a straight answer when he asks if she has any connection to Orson. And, uh, yeah, she's just super cagey. In the same way that she's actually super cagey with Danny. Because, you know, later on, she's, you know, he's saying, like, you know, Danny's asking her for straight answers. Like, you know, I want to know what's going on. And she does not... Provide that information. I mean, uh, understandably, because I travel with a with a, with an alien through space and time is not the sort
1: of thing you blurt out on a first date. No, but, but she, was, uh, she was more than happy to tell those two kids she was looking after.
0: Yeah, well, they were they were they were supposedly sort of blackmailing her. Though yeah, I still well, I still maintain she could
1: easily have caught their bluff. I wonder what they're up to. I wonder if they go to the same school. That she do you works
0: actually on. wonder? Do you actually care?
1: Well, about what they're up to. There's just a real leap in logic where she's like the primary caregiver for two kids, yeah. and then it's just like new series. Fuck off! I'm a teacher now. Yeah,
0: I want you know what I don't I don't. It is jarring, but I don't mind it. I'm glad they no. ditched them, though. I'm sure you know. Give Big Finish enough time. Oh yeah, well. I'm sure they'll be doing. They'll have their own four box set spin off.
1: Yeah. Uh, if Lady Cassandra can get two series,
0: how were they doing a second series of Lady Cassandra? Who
1: bought? Well, initially, okay. Can I just say to any listeners,
0: if there's any chance that a listener of ours, uh, statistically unlikely, but if anyone that listens to this show actually bought the Lady Cassandra big Finish box set, can you just drop us an email? Let us know. Is it actually good? Do you do you have any buyer's remorse?
1: Yeah, but also, if you did, you're banned from listening to future episodes of our podcast. <laughs> or, how about this? Instead of buying Series 2, make a contribution to our charity collection. Yeah, why not? Why not? See, because at first... I thought... I'm, I'm going to go off on a Lady Cassandra tangent here. At That's first, when I saw the tweet, I thought it was, like, somebody parodying. You know how sometimes... You <laughs> yeah. know, like The Onion, where it pretends yeah. to release... Because it was... Buy a Twitter handle big coffinish, but yeah. that was just Big Finish on Halloween. Yes. Changing it to Coffin. So yeah. I was like, wait a minute, when you click the link, it does take you to Big Finish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, they've they've done some uh, deep cut spin-offs.
1: Yeah, sixteen pounds ninety nine.
0: Mm, that's the thing, it's not cheap. Like, I, I'm okay
1: with occasionally, when I've got the spare
0: cash, which isn't often, but when I do, um, potentially picking up something, like, as I say, I, I picked the War Doctor set up not, not too long ago. Uh, Finished it quite recently, actually. Yeah, but that makes um, sense, because that exactly. can fit
1: into the canon yeah.
0: of Doctor Who. Imagine Exactly. And, and it's the most underexplored incarnation of the Doctor. Like, Imagine there if is... you watched
1: Planet of the Dead, and... Mm like your takeaway from that episode was i'm really interested in this character like yeah what i'm where not, does I'm not she interested in her magic bus i'm not interested in this lesser character the doctor you know i can't imagine he has any yeah. good adventures yeah but this posh woman on a bus <laughs> that's
0: what i need more of yeah yeah i mean apparently there is a market for it
1: i i think Who when are we, we to reach judge? When we reach episode 200 of our show, it's going to be poetry contest again, but you have to write fan fiction of Lady Cassandra.
0: <laughs> All right, I've completely lost track of where we are in this episode.
1: All um, right, so Clara asks the Doctor to take her back to her date after she stormed off. Yeah. So she apologises to Danny, but then calls him Rupert. Yeah, and what that that's just like a
0: total brain fail moment, isn't it?
1: Yeah, like it, so, it's
0: excruciating.
1: He points out that he's never told her that's his name. Yeah, and he immediately becomes really stressed and kicks off.
0: And and Clara is such a bad liar as well. No. Like in the scene where, where she's just like, "Oh, um, no, I think somebody from the the school told me that." I try. Do you, you know what I mean? It's just like. Mm.
1: Oh, so, I mean, because... I, I,
0: to be clear, I, J- Jenna Coleman's performance in that scene is, is brilliant. Like, she's very good at portraying someone who is failing totally to, to, to come up with a convincing well, cover.
1: We, we mentioned this, well, basically, since Clara's appeared, yeah. that she's so much better in this series now that she actually has something to do. Yes, yes. That she, you know. she has a character.
0: She has wants and needs, mm. you know, she's a human being. Um, and yeah, you, you suddenly you give a good ca- actress like uh, Jenna Coleman a, 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 an actually rounded character to portray and lo and behold, she can do it very well. Because mm. um, a lot of people were blaming. and it, I remember clearly in, in series seven, when she first appeared, people were, were saying that she's like a terrible actress. And the whole time I'm thinking, not well, No, she's just not been given enough to do. Mm. Um, It's not her fault.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah, so there's sort of a high-tension moment. Danny's really stressed. They're having a big falling out. But that's broken when a spaceman enters the restaurant. Mm.
0: Moffat loves an incongruous spaceman,
1: doesn't he? Yeah, well, I thought it was the Doctor, because we've seen the Doctor wear a big orange spacesuit twice in the past. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: I think it's just they, they couldn't be bothered to get... It. Like, they had that on the peg. It was cheaper than <laughs> than uh, getting a different one. Um, it's worth remembering as well, this is clearly the budget saver episode of the series.
1: Yeah, you but know, it, it's the best one so far.
0: You know, uh, necessity is the mother of invention, as they say.
1: Mm. So, when the spaceman takes his helmet off, it's Danny, but older because it's in fact Orson Pink from the future, yes. so one of Danny's long-lost relatives yes. from the future. Yep. So the Doctor asks Clara whether it's a distant relative of hers, due to the psychic uh-huh. link. So we get we get a heavy-handed acknowledgement that it's very possible Clara and Danny are going to end up together and have children and
0: that's, that's the yada, 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 yada.
1: Mm-hmm. So... The Doctor, since we saw him last, two scenes ago, took himself to the end of the universe where there's nothing to hear. Yeah. And Orson is a pioneer time traveller who got shot too far forward.
0: Yes, yeah. And we've... Uh, I, I, I wonder, this is headcanon for me, but I wonder whether he was in some way related to the same programme as the other pioneering time traveler he saw not too long ago in Hyde. Um, it's neither here nor there whether he is or who,
1: not. But... Who's the time traveller in Hyde? Uh,
0: you know, that's the whole kind of reveal. That's who the ghost turns out to be. Oh,
1: yeah, name. yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. stuck, isn't but, she?
0: But Again, yeah, she was the time traveller who got stuck sort of between dimensions.
1: In yeah. yeah. I remember that now. So
0: it could, you know, why not? In my head this is just because I had to make links between things and stuff. But um, See, the, 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 I was like thinking a... of
1: the Another... I was thinking of the other woman, but she was a faster-than-light pilot, wasn't she? The one that shoots herself at the end of the story.
0: Oh no, that's. Are you thinking of Waters of Mars?
1: Possibly. Because the one... that's... Isn't it her grandchild or something? Is inspired Ah
0: right? Yes, yeah, it. yeah. Inspired by by Adelaide Brooke. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, no, she's just a yeah, she's just a space uh, adventurer. That's in some description. It. That's it. Yeah.
1: So Orson really wants the Doctor to take him home. And the Doctor says, we can, but the TARDIS needs to recharge. Which immediately Clara's a bit curious about. Yeah. Because we know we're not in Cardiff. That's the only place it can ever recharge.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: So he says it's going to take one night for it to recharge. Mm. And Orson, again, begins to panic. So obviously there is something out there that is scaring him because yeah. he goes from being quite cool about being taken home to fearful at having to spend one more night at the end of the universe. Yeah. Um, so, the Doctor, whilst Olson's playing it cool, the Doctor says, well, if there's nothing to be scared of, why is the door locked? Yeah. I would have thought that's because of atmospheric pressure.
0: <laughs> no, because he says that there's like an air bubble
1: around the ah, capture right, or something, right. so... Uh... Yeah. Um. So Orson says that time travel runs in his family mm. and he gives Clara sort of a knowing look. He seems to know her.
0: Yeah, potentially.
1: So whilst we have to wait overnight to see what's happening, mm-hmm. the Doctor and Clara have a chat and the Doctor asks Clara who she was having dinner with
0: mm-hmm.
1: and their discussion is interrupted by something knocking at the door. Yeah. And as the doctor unlocks the door, something opens it.
0: Yeah. Again, so creepy. That like the sound design on this sequence is amazing. With the, the banging and the pipes, and because like there's there's like hisses, which could be gas, but like they've obviously mixed in a, a a human vocal element.
1: Yeah. Um. Again, it's it's the fact that. You don't know. It could mm. literally just be the space station failing, yeah. or it could be something far more sinister. Yeah. And again, I think that's what I really liked about this episode.
0: Yeah, it doesn't give that,
1: you the answers. You know, my perception of what it could have been will be totally different to yours. Mm. And there is no right or wrong answer. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, where are we up to? The Doctor shouts at Clara till she gets back on the TARDIS because the outer shell is breaching. Yeah. And in order to secure the base and save them, the Doctor passes out. Mm. So they manage to get him back on the TARDIS as something's trying to break in, Mm -hmm. or we believe something's trying to break in. Yeah. So Clara says she's going to use the TARDIS again. Yeah. But as she puts her hands in this time, she's disturbed again because the doctor sort of coughs and splutters yep. to come back around, yep. and the TARDIS delivers them to a barn. Yeah. And someone's asleep in the barn, mm-hmm. so somebody, so people don't hear their crying. Yes. It's a little boy. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm assuming it's his parents say he'll never make it as a Time Lord. Wow. Yeah. See, I thought we were just going to see another version of like Danny's family, but it makes sense with the coughing and spluttering yeah. that Clara's now thinking of the doctor. the doctor. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So this is a young Doctor, The
0: youngest that he's ever been, um, uh, that we've ever seen the Doctor on screen. Mm.
1: And when the Doctor stands up, Clara grabs at his foot. Yeah. Like, says it's all a dream, listen.
0: Yeah. How, so how did doctor, this moment hit
1: you? Um well I was just like I, I've put it in my notes. I was like if that's the doctor and Clara seemingly has a realisation that it is the doctor, mm-hmm. do you know what I'd do in that scenario? Ask his name. <laughs> I just go what I just go go back to bed. What's your name?
0: Yeah. I mean, but, does it. I've never really understood why people get really hung up on the Doctor's name. It's, I've never really considered it to be an, an important factor, to be honest.
1: Well, well, for the last two series, every episode's ended with someone shouting Doctor Who. Yeah,
0: I know, but. But, but that, then that it's plotline kind was of resolved
1: that yeah. the Doctor is his name.
0: Yeah. And also. I, 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 even then i i i don't love that as a as an arc because it's just i feel like it's it's a bit i don't know i didn't mind i don't mind it in the context because it's kind of building up to the 50th and all the rest of it but it's not to me it's not a it's not the the important part of this show no. whilst the doctor it's important the doctor is a mysterious character but the mystery of the Doctor is not what is ultimately driving the story and my, my interest in this show. Um, but anyway, you know, takes all sorts. Um, did, when I yes. when this scene when when I saw this scene for the first time, I my my, my brain exploded. Like honestly, especially the moment when that's coming up in just a second. where like he. Where Clara is obviously realises that this isn't just any barn; this is a very specific
1: barn. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I just like any story that's got a good old bootstrap paradox in it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, I, and, I'm all about that. Yeah,
0: and you know, Mo- Moffat specialises in them, and uh, it, it's a doozy one, the one, this one. Uh, yeah. It's it's yeah. really powerful and like obviously Clara's little speech here she kind of reiterates what the Doctor was saying to Rupert Pink earlier.
1: Yeah, and so she, she basically also, yeah. everything we've seen this episode is the result of this interaction with the Doctor as a child. Yeah, yeah. And so we find out that's why he's so obsessed with solving this mystery.
0: Yeah, potentially this is what starts it all for him, um, mm. and. Uh, she, she also says the line, fear makes companions of us all. Yeah. And she is quoting, unbeknownst to herself, the first Doctor. Oh, really? He S- says that in his first story, yeah. Uh,
1: um, so, actually, he's quoting her.
0: Yeah, again. Um, so, yeah, it, it's all... If it wasn't so good... I would be very annoyed with Stephen Buffett because it's so, like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's it, it is so clever, like capital Did, C clever, that he, he he's lucky that it's also capital G good in this context.
1: Do, do you buy into? I know that from looking on Reddit and yeah. what have you, that a lot of Doctor Who fans have a problem with how important Clara is in the Doctor's overall story you know, things like yes. this where she's having an impact on him as a child Yeah. do you buy into that?
0: No, I don't I, well, I, I mean, I, I I will admit, yes, she, obviously Moffat has written her and the things that she does in such a way that she does become a very significant uh, companion, like, more significant than some of the others, like, you know has a, has a greater overall impact on his timeline than say Dodo, <laughs> or you know, yeah. or, or Whatever, but that doesn't bother me, no, because that's that's storytelling, isn't it?
1: You want your yeah, characters plus, to be
0: important,
1: plus, I like you say, I think if the story's this good, you can look past that,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, no, it doesn't like, bother if me the episode
1: just ended with Clara going, by the way, Doctor, I'm your mum, like, yeah, I, I don't think we would forgive them.
0: that, would, yeah, that would obviously be too far, um, but uh
1: yeah so, yeah. so...
0: I, 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 I think it's it's so it's so important to me as well. What I really love is is that seeing this early glimpse of the doctor and at the end of the day he is a sad, frightened little boy and it's I think it's very strongly implied that he's basically a foster child. Or, or, or something like that, or he's also in a children's home, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that, that, that it was a children's home for, for uh, Rupert Pink and there's a line in the dialogue between the, the man and the woman that we never fully see where she says what, uh, 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 something like, oh, why 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 didn't you come in and, and, and sleep in the house with all the other boys? Mm. Um, I, I think there is a very strong implication with that, that, that you know, he's not with his sort of parents. Yeah, well, we know here.
1: he's from, like, yeah. an aristocratic background, don't we? Because he told Robin Hood, or Robin Hood told him.
0: Well, insofar as we we know, the, I don't want to get too hung up on Time Lord Society, because it's it's so contradictory, everything about the Time Lords and, and, mm. and stuff, you know. But at the end of the day, th- they are Time Lords. Like, if you to become a Time Lord, you have to go through the Academy... And go through, you know, the, whatever we, we, we've seen of that. You know, we know that's where the doctor meets the master and uh, and, and so on and so forth. But then b- by going through the academy, becoming a card-carrying Time Lord, you are then one of the elite on Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, it's aristocratic. It's not, it's not aristocratic in the sense of hereditary titles.
1: No, so As it's more like a a military title. Yeah, if you like, yeah. Yeah, like a rank. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Um,
1: right, so we find out Clara has caused all this, and, you know, she's the reason the Doctor has this obsession with this fear. Yeah. So she returns to the TARDIS. Yeah. The Doctor is sort of stirring, he wakes up, and Clara says... We need to take off, and you can never ask me where we've been. Yeah. And I kind of like that, because if you go back a scene where the Doctor's shouting at her, he's like, look, I'm in charge, you follow my instructions. Yeah. Whereas, actually, we sort of get a bit more of a team dynamic between them here. Yeah. So, Clara talks to the Doctor a little bit, and we find out that the barn where the boy was sleeping is the same barn where the war doctor took the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So everything's coming full circle.
0: Yeah, and again, I, I I love that. I I I love that about you know. You. Some people might find it overeching the pudding, but it I no, it's perfect to me.
1: Yeah. So, the Clara, sorry, Clara has taught the doctor how to be brave. Yeah. Uh. She herself becomes brave enough to talk to Danny again. Yeah. And she goes to his flat and they sort of resolve the whole date situation. Yeah, yeah. But we see that she leaves Danny the soldier with the doctor as a child. Yeah. So there's a little symbol of braveness there.
0: There is, yeah. It kind of, it's, again, it's, it's, you know, if you take that subtext of, you know, the soldier without a gun... Fighting the good fight, but, but doing so with, with brains rather than with weapons. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's potent stuff, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. And, you know, what's, what's the other greatest tragedy? that It's, I only really, I'd never really thought about this before. You know, the Doctor, in the back of his mind, is, we mentioned it earlier, he's, he wants to find Gallifrey again. The TARDIS mm. was there on Gallifrey. Oh, yeah. But Clara said to her, we have to leave.
1: But that, I was going to say, that's early Gallifrey. Will that be time-locked?
0: Well, that's the thing, because because the, the Doctor has, he, he knows it's hidden away in some kind of pocket universe, but we know the TARDIS can go wherever the hell it wants to if it thinks it's the right time. Um, mm. And so, yeah, by using the telepathic circuits, Clara was inadvertently able to circumnavigate and get to where Gallifrey is hiding. Hmm. but it was you know she needed to keep things preserved basically for for them to just go away and not think about it um
1: so my my main yeah. question my main takeaway from this episode yes is now that we know that the doctor's fear was created by clara right. what was there ever any monsters in this episode well, we don't know, do we? Because who wrote Listen on his blackboard?
0: Well, that's the thing. There's a little bit of dialogue towards the end where Clara says, well, it looks like you're handwriting to me. but And the doctor's like, well, I wouldn't write something down and then forget about it. But but then earlier he's talking with that guy who's saying, like, do you ever pop your keys down and forget where you put them? Yeah. You know, mem- the whole thing is memory, be- memory is fallible. Um, mm. It's an incomplete... Think our senses can lie to us, our brains can trick us. Um, I, 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 and I think, as I say, the the whole point to me is that we don't know. I don't, I I don't have a definitive headcanon answer to this question in the same way that personally, I don't have a definitive headcanon as, as to whether or not, uh, whether the, the half-faced man jumped or was pushed that's mm. you, know, you know in deep breath to me the appeal is in the ambiguity in the not knowing yeah so
1: I, I, and sort of the hope that we will find out at some point yeah maybe if we you need know, to that, if there's another story
0: just... in this space to be told maybe mm. um one little question i wanted to ask for you before we wrapped up uh did you find this episode scary? We're, we're recording uh, this on uh, the day after, you know, Spookmas Eve.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go as far as calling it. It wasn't scary in the sense of like jump scare or overt horror, mm. but it was cerebral, mm. wasn't it?
0: It was. It's there's, certainly there's, it's there's
1: creepy. like a sinister tone to it. Yeah,
0: it definitely promotes unease. Um, I, I only ask because uh, the Doctor Who month, uh, Doctor Who magazine this month um, did uh, a rundown of of top fifty scariest Doctor Who monsters and moments, uh, and this came in at number one. Oh, really? And I think I think they're being a little bit cheeky. I don't think it's the scariest. I don't think many Doctor Who fans would say it's actually the scariest. But what it does do. Is it provided them an opportunity to say on a thematic level, what's what's scarier than than fear itself? This what what this this episode is about fear in the abstract.
1: What episode would you rate as scarier?
0: Um, to me, Blink is the scariest, uh, the most scared I've ever been watching an episode yeah, of Doctor that, Who. That's
1: what I thought. That yeah, that initial. First time we see the Weeping yeah. Angel with its big, horrible, yeah. scary face.
0: I'm sure I must have. It's an oversight if I didn't mention it when we did the episode on Blink. I'm sure I must have. But the first time I watched it, I watched it about two a.m. in in when I was a student, um, like in sort of quite a dingy flat um, on a laptop by myself. Um, and yeah, it fair put the willies at me. <laughs> it really did. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't think I've ever been more scared than that. Other than possibly uh, Genesis of the Daleks, when I watched that as a kid, that really freaked me out. Because I wouldn't, I couldn't have been more than about seven or eight when I saw that, and like Davros in that mm. really
1: creeped me out. So what have we got coming up next week?
0: So, next week, next week, um, I'm blanking on it now. I did look at it. Oh, yes. Uh, is, uh, is a little episode called Time Heist.
1: Um, oh, so. no. It's going to be a romp, isn't it? <laughs> Could be. Does it, te- does it at any point take place on a train? Just answer me that. No spoilers. Yes or no? Is there a train in this episode?
0: I will answer that. I, I, There is no train in this episode. But oh, good. But there may be trains
1: in subsequent uh,
0: episodes this series.
1: I don't like the heisty so, romp ones.
0: You're not a fan of heists, generally?
1: It, well, yeah, when they're done well, but I don't have enough faith in Doctor Who to achieve <laughs>
0: Well, there's only one way to find out, and that's to watch uh, the episode. So join us next week, listeners, when we will be discussing Time Heist. Until then, thank you very much for listening. And here we are. Bye
1: now.
0: Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space.
1: If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorthspacepod.
0: And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.